Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. We have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, is it great to be back with you? Is it great to be back with you? It is Monday, January 20th, the year 2020, episode 233 of the Anik and Florian Podcast. That sweatshirt you're wearing? Yeah. That like MC Esoteric or something? Absolutely. You believe that. It's uh, Inspector Deck from Wu-Tang and MC Esoteric. So, so these uh, guys are great. Zarface. Uh, the, the new album, relatively new anyway. Go check it out. It's pretty sick. So yeah. when you wear that sweatshirt, it helps the show. It helps. <laughs> See? It does. <laughs> well, Martin Luther King Day here in the United States. Ken Flo looking good, as always. One of the most important holidays of the year, officially observed in all 50 states, not until the year 2000. You believe that, Ken Flo? Wow. Um, but an important day. It means the kids are home from school. Such a blessing that is, right? <laughs> all downstairs making a bunch of fucking noise. But what a weekend it was. UFC 246, McGregor versus Cowboy. Uh, Ray Longo coming up here in a minute to open the show. But... A huge weekend for Conor McGregor, a huge fight week for Conor McGregor. Say what you will uh, about Donald Cerrone, and we certainly will talk about his side of things. And Conor McGregor was absolutely a three-to-one favorite this weekend. But you talk about maximizing the showcase. Showcase, excuse me. You talk about style points. Uh, you talk about doing as much with this fight and this week in front of him as he possibly could have. Uh, it was a banner week for Conor McGregor. You thought it was going to be a quick one, Ken Flo. You were convicted in, in that as respectfully as you could be. And... Uh, 40 seconds in, Conor McGregor gets it done, obviously, in a big way. A huge weekend for Conor McGregor, but uh, perhaps a bigger weekend for the UFC. You think about how much was on the line. Uh, the UFC just is not as interesting with Conor McGregor out of the picture. That's just a fact. And I think with Conor McGregor coming back and looking as good as he did, uh, I thought was huge for the organization. Um, it was huge for Conor McGregor, of course, and I think that for him, if he wanted that next big fight, whether it's Masvidal, Gaethje, uh, Habib, whatever it is, I-, I think a lot of people probably felt that he needed to look good to justify uh, that next big fight. Um, he certainly did that. He made it look easy, man, and um, uh, just an amazing performance. Besides him kind of leaping forward and, and looking for that knockout shot for his first uh, punch right off the bat, um, once he settled in, I mean, it was just all Conor McGregor. You know, everyone's talking about these shoulder shots, and yes, right. we've seen them before. I've worked them. A lot of people have done these in fights. But to throw them with that kind of effectiveness, you have to be super loose. And it, and it kind of it's thrown like a whip. And to be able to do it like that with that kind of effectiveness, bloodying the nose of Cerrone. I mean, first tech, 10 seconds of that fight, Cerrone already had a, a bruised orbital from that knee. His nose was bloody. I, I mean, it was just complete violence from Conor McGregor to start that fight. 
I, it's funny because I was going to lead with you on the shoulder strikes, and I'm glad you referenced the whip because when I was doing the post show with uh, with Chael Sonnen and Michael Bisping, I forget who brought it up, but mm. some were suggesting not only was the angle great and the level change with the shoulder strikes, but that instead of maybe hitting with that front meaty part of the shoulder, that the angle was such that he hit mm. with that bone yeah. on top of the shoulder. Either way, very damaging, uh, and either way, Ray Longo's on hold, so let's not keep him there. Let's get to the Ray Longo minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Oh, starring Ray Longo is right. No sponsor for the Ray Longo Minute this week. I'm told that, that Ray is unable to be on video. Sponsor wants to see you, Ray. They want to see if you've been working out in the tanning booth of late. I told them yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I should be in the tanning booth, John, because it's about 14 degrees in Long Island today. It's <laughs> yeah. freezing out, man. I, I feel like living in the tanning booth, but no. I'm white as a ghost, and I'm ready. Let's see who, how many people we can piss off today, John. I know, right, I know. Yeah. For, yeah. for better or for worse, rightfully so or not, you're, you're sort of, at least for our listeners, the poster child for the anti-Conor McGregor movement. So, uh <laughs> So, uh, uh, you know, the the point is I'm anti-Conor McGregor antics. I, I, I like the guy that shows up and fights and he's humble and, you know, analyzes the fights the right way and doesn't get too crazy. That, that That's cool, you know. So all indications were being there during fight week that Conor McGregor had put in all the right work that he got back to a great communication way with his coaches right you heard him say that he's sharing his instincts and his thoughts with them when maybe there was a time when he wasn't doing that uh i think they did a great job just moving past everything and focusing on what was ahead of them being desperate being hungry and uh i thought even though we only got 40 seconds ray the connor just looked outstanding well look man he, he definitely showed up to fight and uh yeah I, it can't be easy with uh all the personal stuff and all, everything that's been going on. So, you know, hats off to him. He did come to fight. Uh, you know, it's a big win for the UFC. Uh, and I, I feel bad for, um, for Cerrone, you know what I mean? Because I, 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 like, I, I like the guy. Uh, I think he's been great for the UFC. I was hoping he could overcome his demons and show up and put on a good performance. But it looked like uh, those old uh, instincts, you know, froze him up again. So Kenny and I were talking offline that if I, you know, if I was paid a hundred dollars a second in there, how long could I last? Maybe fifteen seconds to just get on a bike and run. <laughs> I don't know. But but from a fight IQ standpoint, and I'm not really bringing it up to be funny as much as I am bringing it up to sort of talk about the Cerrone side of things and why he didn't retreat and knowing the danger of those first few minutes, why he maybe didn't disengage. I mean, I, maybe he didn't think he could be overpowered in the clinch. It all happened very quickly. What, what are your thoughts on Cerrone from an IQ standpoint and why he wasn't able to adjust despite the, the brevity of the fight? Man, I, I got to say, I have, I have no idea besides the fact that what I saw is just a guy that looked like he froze up. I mean, he slips the left hand. I would have thought just instinctively that guy ends up on his back. You know, I mean, he almost went over him. Uh, right. And then, and then in the uh, you know he got hit with a couple of shoulder bumps, which is definitely nothing new. Uh, and he instead of knee and the elbow, I don't know what he did. Uh, you'd have to ask him what was going on. Uh, you know, just uh, it looked uh, like he just froze up to me. Uh, you know, Ray. For I mean, me, I mean, fight IQ, fight IQ. Obviously, I think. Kenny, there was no fight IQ. There was, right. I don't think he, well, I don't know what he did. Well, that, I think that was my problem heading into this fight is Donald, you know, he, he's such a proud guy and he's such a tough guy that he leads with that in a lot of his fights and kind of pays for it. Um, you know, but for all those people out there that are saying that Donald Cerrone took a dive or the UFC oh. paid off Cowboy, I mean, it, it kind of makes me sick to my stomach to, to hear that and see that, uh, you know, out there. I think that it's an easy solution, Ray, is you get those people to get hit by a professional fighter just like Donald Cerrone did and then ask them if they think it's actually still a fixed fight or not. But, Ray, okay. Ray did you see any of those comments and what did you think about people? I mean, you've been in the fight game a long time. Does that yeah. look like like he threw the fight to you? 
Well, I'll tell you, here's the, here's the weird part of that, though, Kenny, is that the rumors, like, you know, three weeks ago, a month that he was going to throw the fight, and then the mm. fight goes like that. It couldn't have been a worst-case scenario. for mm-hmm. Like, if that rumor never came out, I go, right. yeah. But the fact that it came out, like, why would that have even come out? And then you see that. So I, I think it gave those guys that wanted to see that, yeah. it gave them traction. And, you know, look, the we, look, the... the Look, it's a win for the UFC, right? They control the narrative of this thing, right? The most uh, bonuses, the most this, the most that. They didn't, obviously, they weren't going to advertise the guy was coming off of two losses, two knockout losses. So they did a great job in selling that fight. But the reality was, like, I feel bad for Justin Gaethje. He just did the same thing to him. Nobody even cared. It was just another fight, you know? And, you know, Connor knocks him out. It's a, it's, they're going to, they're going to ride this thing because, you know, look, it's a money maker. So for them, it's a that was a huge, huge thing. But again, I I do think they did a great job of controlling the narrative and highlighting all the good points. And you know, obviously, you don't want to do that as a promotion, bring up the bad points. But you know, I think uh, I think when you look at the whole thing, it just gave some of those haters or whatever you want to call them doubters just traction. I mean, if that thing never came up, I'm saying that that wouldn't have been brought up. But the fact that it was brought up a couple of weeks ago was weird. You know, and then the way the fight played out, um, you know, I don't know. I because I, I did see it, and I and I've had people calling me. You know, what do you think? He didn't get hit with the shin. He didn't get hit with the foot. He got hit with a toe. Uh, you know, I'm hearing everything. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I was really hoping that Cerrone. I wanted Donald to win the fight. I really did. I, I you know, the grandmother thing. Everything just looks like a a feel-good story if he could get the win. But, uh, and, and you know, on the other side, I'm happy for McGregor. Look, the guy, without a doubt, has done a lot for the sport, and he's a showman for sure. And he comes to fight, and he brings an intensity and uh, ambiance to that octagon like nobody else. So, you know, hats off to him, you know. But from a pure fight standpoint, you know, I would have rather seen him fight Justin Gaethje. He just beat Cerrone. Why take a guy... Coming off of two losses, you know, I would I, as a fight fan. There's so many great fights to make uh, that yeah. I, well, I would have, you know, rather have seen that. To be honest with you. Well, and I think that's a lot of I that is bad. well, I feel it's, that's revisionist cause... history, though. Of course, but we, you know, we've had that conversation, and obviously that might have been a pick 'em fight according to Las Vegas, and Conor McGregor wouldn't have been a, a three to one favorite. Uh, but people really do want to knock the 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 value and the quality of this win against Donald Cerrone, and, and even though Cerrone's performance certainly left a little bit to be desired, at the end of the day, for Conor McGregor, with all the pressure on him, you still have to go out and deliver. You know, he did do it. Without, I think a little bit. Well, wait, hang doubt. on. Hang Without on, he still doubt. did do it a little bit quicker than, than Justin Gaethje. And did. at 170. And, uh, yeah, well, right, and at yeah. 170 pounds. So, Ray, as we do spin it forward. But, but, right but again, but, but, John, but John and Kenny, at that point, he did it at 170. Why would you give the guy a shot at 155 then? Right. Against well, why would you? Why would you talk about that? Why not talk about, you know, Usman or uh, even Jorge Masvidal? Well, and it seems like because of the calendar that it is gonna gonna spin that way because Khabib and Tony are gonna fight in April, and the earliest that Connor would be fighting for the undisputed lightweight title would be September or October. So, uh, but Kenny and I were sort of talking a little bit, I believe, off air, and we were gonna get into it. This this performance, this effort, doesn't give you any more confidence in him against Jorge Masvidal per se, Ray, or does this maybe make that fight more intriguing for you competitively? Uh, well, you know, like, again, what kind of, you know, he comes, I think when you're fighting him, you're fighting not just him, you're fighting whatever else he brings into the octagon. So he's going to hype it up, and you have to overcome a couple of things. So it looks like, again, like even with Cerrone, and it wasn't really, he didn't, you know, what I liked about Conor this time, there wasn't a lot of buildup to the fight, and he had respect for uh, Cowboy and vice versa. And I love that. That part, you know, I'm always going to love. Uh, but he he does bring an ambiance that could, you know, alter the course of that fight, you know, which is great. So I think a fight between him and Masvidal would be fantastic for everybody. You know, for me, you know, I know you mentioned Gaethje, and that's a fight that we've talked about that I would love to see. But 
you know, I I do not see Gaethje getting by Connor. I, I I actually think that it's he has a style that favors Connor. He comes forward. Connor's a yes. tremendous counter counter puncher. Yes, yes. If Dustin Poirier right. could knock out. Uh, uh, Justin Gaethje, th- there's no doubt in my mind that Connor could do the same thing, perhaps sure. quicker. Still a dangerous fight just because of Gaethje's power and his willingness to get in there. So that alone, of course, is always going to be a danger for, for anybody just based on Gaethje's style. But because he does come forward like that, I, I-, I, think-, I think that's a fight that's kind of tailor-made for, for Connor. No, I-, I agree 100% with you, Kenny. But my mm. point was, I think Gaethje earned the right for that fight before before. Uh, it's a valid that, point. That's all. It's I'm a valid saying. point. Absolutely. You know that that's the that's the only issue. Why not take that fight? That would have been to me if you're really analyzing it. You got to take the guy that beat him, not it, you know two guys. You know, not coming it, off of two losses. You know, I would have rather the plan fight Gaethje. Especially if the plan is to fight Habib uh, for the belt at 55. Uh, without, right? a, without a doubt. You're yeah. in the 155 yeah. thing. And like you say, it's a perfect fight. It's more like an Eddie Alvarez fight where a guy's coming mm-hmm. forward and Khan is a great counterpuncher. And I think that would have... I'm just saying, you know, linear... I mean, some sort of logic it would have made more sense. You know what I mean? So, uh, and I think the fans would have appreciated that more. And that's fair. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, uh, Raymond, you got anything else before we let you fly? I, I actually, I met Tom Brady <laughs> Saturday night. Uh, that was kind of fun. <laughs> wait, wait, what you, I, I didn't hear that. What was that? I, oh, no, I just said I met Tom Brady Saturday night. I was just telling you it was kind of fun to uh, be able to thank Tom I'll Brady. You, that, for was a, he's that was a great there, post you put up. Yeah, well, thanks, buddy. You, you got to give kind of credit, man. Everybody came out for that fight. I mean, it was... I don't remember that many people being at a fight before. You know, oh, a lot of high-profile celebs, no? He brings them yeah. out. He brings the athletes out, especially. I mean, he really has done the that. I don't think anybody's come close to doing the job that he's done with that, man. He has, he has crossed barriers with a lot of sports, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's actually wild to watch. Yeah. Well, I, I really believe that he's back for legacy and back to add to what he's already done and wanting to prove himself not just as the biggest superstar in mixed martial arts, but one of the greatest of all time. You know, he and wants that, to be mentioned that, in that George St. Pierre, John Jones conversation. And that's a big reason. That's a big cornerstone of, of this whole return and fighting season and everything else. Yeah, that'll be great. That'll be a, that's a win-win for the, uh, for the UFC and it's a win for the fans. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, Longo's lock of the week, 0-1. You had over a round and a half for McGregor Cerrone. So no 100 <laughs> push-ups so. for me this week. I got to tell you, I don't think there's anybody worse than me at this point. <laughs> You're 0-1. What, about, what do you mean? We just what started. About, what, what about <laughs> Macy Barber? I, th- I, I thought that was a lock. Bro, you know? how about Everybody did. That. Yeah, that was crazy. Hats off to Roxanne. What a nice girl and... What a huge win for her, and, you know, uh, speedy recovery to uh, Macy. I think she's a sweetheart with a huge future, and uh, oh, uh, no obviously that knee, that knee was compromised pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. All right, my man. Well, uh, we appreciate your time and, and your candor, as always, buddy. We'll let you fly, man. See you soon, all right? All right, guys. Take it easy. Stay Thanks, warm. Ray. There he is. Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. That was crazy. Roxanne Modafferi and, and Macy Barber. And Macy, of course, has a lot of, of qualities and prerequisites to being a champion for sure. Showed you all that heart. But, bro, I know you said yeah. a little, little squeeze on Raquel, huh? Just Excuse me, on, uh, for Roxanne. Roxanne. Yeah, for shits and giggles. They said, take a little bit, yeah. just do it, see what happens. Um, and uh, sure enough, she pulled it off, man. Obviously, there, there was an unfortunate injury there to, to yeah. Macy. But um, Roxy is sneaky good, man. She's, she can upset uh, a lot of those good fighters in that division. And uh, it was happy to see a true veteran like Roxy, one of the, one of the sweetest people you'll ever Amazing. meet. Um, you know, definite martial artist. And she's been in the game for a long time. She deserves that praise and, and that win. And she's really changed herself around physically, Kenny. Whole strength and conditioning program for three straight fights under this guy, Lorenzo Pavlica. I mean, you saw real... 
definition of yeah. her up on that scale. Also said she's been working with a new Muay Thai coach there at Syndicate, right? So throwing those elbows. Said she's like busted, like she, dude, she busted somebody real bad in the gym, right? With the elbow, right? And then caused that cut on Macy. Yeah. Goddamn Barbara, the minus 1,000 favorite. So love Macy. Do believe she'll get belted one day. But for Roxanne Modafferi, uh, huge result over the weekend. For Conor McGregor, Kenny, you know, I've been pretty steady in my conviction and belief that Conor really was back for legacy. And these are wins that really are going to help him going forward. I am disappointed that people are going to denigrate it. I know that maybe this matchup lacked a little juice because Donald Cerrone had lost two in a row. But I hope that people will give Connor credit for this performance. And the thing is, even in a matchup that maybe didn't lend itself to him having uh, getting a bunch of style points because he was supposed to go out and win, would you, like would people be happier? They probably would be if it went seven and a half minutes or more, and mm-hmm. he got touched a few times and had to dig deep a little bit or whatever it may be. To me, look at this clean, untouched, puts himself in line to maybe make this back-to-back training camps and and turn around quickly if they could somehow add a pay-per-view or figure it out. Uh, I just don't know what people are looking for, and it's either I'm a shill or, you know, I, and w- with respect to Ray, I just, you know, people need to give this guy more credit in my, uh, in my humble fan opinion. I absolutely believe that, and listen, you know, people uh, have a certain perception of Conor McGregor. It doesn't matter what he does. Uh, people are always going to see him in a negative light based on what he's done or what he said or, you know, the reports of the news or whatever. And um, I, I think Conor McGregor has made a concerted effort in um, having a different approach uh, energetically to fights. I think we saw that against Cowboy, showed a lot of respect. He seems like a changed man now. It seems like he's really uh, dedicated to just improving as a martial artist and staying in the gym and getting better as he should. And that is about staying on the path of uh, staying on the warrior's path. And I think that when you reach that kind of stardom and that kind of, you become that kind of celebrity, it's easy to kind of drink it up and believe that you are something else. And if you are doing that, something else, it's taking away from your ability to become a better athlete, a better martial artist. And I think, you know, he looked at himself, I think very honestly and said, what the heck am I doing here? I'm wasting precious time. I have this gift. I enjoy fighting. This is what I should be doing. And if I'm doing anything else, it's taking away from my profession and from my legacy. Um, And I think he has uh, taking a serious look at himself. He's saying all the right things. He certainly looked phenomenal. Who fi- who has finished Donald Cerrone quicker than Conor McGregor right, right. at 170 pounds? Right. Nobody. I mean, he did it quicker than Darren Till. He did it quicker than, than Masvidal. Uh, you know, I, I, right? Uh, didn't he? Yeah, oh no, I believe he did. I know Dos Anjos was close to a minute. That was at 55 and a body right. shot. Right, but- it- And McGregor didn't get touched. He didn't get, I mean, there wasn't a mark on him. He didn't really get hit. It was just all Conor McGregor. And you look at everything that Conor McGregor was dealing with, you know, over the last few months and all the pressure and, you know, all the stuff outside. I mean, there was a lot to deal with. And the fact that Conor McGregor was to pull it off in this manner against a veteran like Donald Cerrone, I think deserves some praise. Look at the resume. Look at the people that he's beaten. Take away all your perception of him, what he said. Look Look at what he's done. It's extremely impressive. You hit a lot of good points, and I'm glad I don't have to make them. Two other things I'll add. There's a lot of motivation in this man, right, just as an athlete to do a lot of the things that you lined out, right? And that's really a big part of this because the kids are a part of it too, right, and that it, it, it is sure. giving, giving his life some regularity, and it makes doing all of that recreational stuff harder because the kids are jumping on you at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning, right? It's like if you want to be a doting dad, and all indications are that that is what he is, uh, then they become a, a centerpiece of your life, if not the center of your life, and everything else works around that. And I think that's helped Conor McGregor a lot, but he's just no supremely doubt. motivated a, as an athlete. And uh, all roads are now open, Kenny. The question is... Undisputed welterweight title shot is there. Undisputed lightweight title shot could be there if he just wants to wait. We said a win was going to open all roads, but everybody is pointing to this fight against Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. You know, the March 7th pay-per-view has two title fights on it. 
when you look at the way the calendar aligns, International Fight Week could be his, of course, but Connor kind of wants to put a training camp on top of a training camp here, and uh, that would lean towards March or April. I mean, how soon do you think they could put this Masvidal fight together, and do you think absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, that uh, the next fight for Connor is going to be game bread? Because Dana seemed to intimate that he wants to do the Khabib Connor rematch and see game bread fight Kamaru Usman for the welterweight title without an obvious number one welterweight contender right now. Your thoughts? Um, listen, um, let's talk about the Masvidal fight. That's the biggest fight that the UFC can put together, period. Okay. Um, if they're trying to build their business up and make the biggest fights possible while you can, you jump on the Masvidal Conor McGregor fight. Imagine a four or five city tour with those two hyping up the fight. Yeah. It would bring in millions and millions of dollars for the UFC. I also think that, you know, talk about legacy-wise, look at Masvidal. He is absolutely in his prime. He has been uh, just decimating his competition right now. If Conor went out and beat Masvidal, right, or for that matter, if Masvidal went out there and beat McGregor, it would just elevate, you know, one of those guys has the true biggest star in the UFC right now. Yeah. I, I think that's a fight that needs to happen. I think both of those guys' skills at are at a very uh, at a very high level. I think we would have an extremely entertaining fight. What's so intriguing about it is that it's a very difficult fight to call. Um, and for that, I, I think you have you know your hardcore Masvidal fans, you have your hardcore McGregor fans, and you have your haters on both sides. That is a huge fight that has to happen. Um, and I think it's the second most impressive. It would be the second most impressive win, legacy-wise, if you're talking about that for Conor McGregor. The first, of course, would be if he got that rematch win over Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, but obviously, with that fight against Tony Ferguson, that would push it a little bit further down the line. Why not fight at 170 pounds? It does not affect him at 55. Just take the fight. He always has that Habib fight. You know, maybe Habib's 30th fight, and he either right. goes out and retires right. or whatever. So I think the stars are aligning for that kind of fight. Um, that's what should happen. It's very rare that you have two superstars yeah. that can fight each other in fight sports. Make it happen. Right. Strike while the iron's hot. Right. Yeah. Anderson Silva and George St. Pierre never fought, right, because the timing in their prime. Yeah. perfect at right. times, you know. Um but, yeah, this is uh, certainly the fight to make, according to most fans. Every fan I talked to in Vegas, they either were talking to me about this podcast or talking to me about that fight. And this was before Conor McGregor went out and did that to, uh, to Donald Cowboy Cerrone. It's interesting you talk about legacy and what win would give his legacy the, the biggest strength in, if you would, right? Because I went on a Toronto radio station this morning, and they asked me the same question, and I didn't necessarily have the obvious answer. So you seem to believe avenging the loss to Khabib legacy-wise might be bigger than a Masvidal win, okay. or not necessarily. Yeah, okay. Uh, so what, let me ask you this. Okay, yeah. let me ask you this. So would the would the, the biggest win for his legacy, I guess it would be Khabib, but oh, an Usman win, right, given that matchup, right, would be uh, tremendous. But you're, at least right now, you're not, front of the line for for him getting an undisputed welterweight title shot yeah and also as far as you know Usman I'm not so interested in it listen Usman is a tremendous fighter I just think he's way too big for Connor I almost yeah. think it'd be like a a bully style match I, I don't I don't know I think we kind of know what the result of that is I just think Usman's way too big uh yeah. that guy is is could fight at 185 pounds you know yeah. and, and Connor is a true 155 pounder Masvidal has fought at 155 pounds yeah. as well he's not the biggest 170 pounder either if we're talking about quality matchmaking that's the one that needs to happen uh and of course what a story it would be if he was to go out there and beat the undefeated Russian, this guy who has been an absolute juggernaut, a guy who really dominated him in that first fight, to come back and oh. pull off a win against Habib uh, would be tremendous. And I think it would set up Connor to actually look like a hero in some ways and, and play the good guy uh, yeah, role. Right. And, and so, I don't know. Well, if Conor McGregor fights again before June... You know, those who suggested that this was a money play, uh, well, you got no, no choice but to eat some crow. And I've eaten a lot of crow in my days, obviously, as a broadcast sure. journalist or whatever, right? But, like, the dude is back for his fighting season and for legacy, and, and that comeback, say what you will about it, but uh, it's off to a damn good start. Someone also mentioned Colby Covington uh, on Twitter <laughs> as a potential opponent, right? Just in terms of, of the talk, I mean, maybe that fight has some legs at some point down the road. We'll see.
So, Ken, Flo, one thing before we spin it forward, I just want to say you were so convicted on Conor McGregor early in this fight, right? And it's tough because, like, you're making your picks on Monday. You don't have the benefit of fight week or the weigh-in or anything else. And when you pick a guy to win by first-round knockout, you're also picking some dude to get knocked out in the first round. And that's kind of the way it is. And in this day and age of social media, you know, you can't be sure it didn't register on Cerrone's radar. It kind of is what it is. Uh, But certainly uh, you kind of felt that this would be one-sided, and that was the way it went down. I felt strongly about it. You know, I, I hate that. I, I hate having to pick against another fighter, especially saying that the guy doesn't have much of a chance. Um, You know, Cerrone did have a chance. I just didn't like... Assuming both fighters came in the way that they typically come into a fight and the way that their skills match up, um, I didn't love that fight for Cerrone early. Um, he had to get by that first round and kind of get his wits back in that second and get his mojo back in order to do something against Connor, in my opinion. And he, obviously, he never got there. Um, another thing I, I will say, um, it's also hard to judge Connor off of a 40-second performance as well. It, sometimes it's a little bit too quickly. It's impressive what he did for that for that amount of time. But, you know, to really say that Connor is back, perhaps we should have seen at least three solid rounds. And I think in, in some ways, Connor and his, his camp wanted to see him get into the championship rounds to get that feel for the octagon back. Connor mentioned him getting a little excited at times during that fight. Um, octagon time is octagon time. Um, but uh, I think the more time you have in there, especially after a long layoff, it just feels good good to have that as a fighter, Absolutely. to have that you know that mental feel, that physical feel, the the rhythm and and feeling comfortable and comfortable in there. Uh, Connor is certainly uh, you know he shines brightest when the lights come on, so I don't think that's an issue for him. Ring rust and all that stuff, he always shines. But as a fighter, you're trying to log in some minutes and get experience to get better, and um, you know it. It's a difficult situation to just judge Connor on 40 seconds as well. Yeah, and some people uh, would feel better about Connor's chances in a Masvidal fight had this one gone six or seven minutes. Right. I kind of feel like Cerrone's a dangerous fighter, despite what we saw in those 40 seconds. So, Connor, you might as well just get him out of there, right? Yes. Don't give him a chance to try to kick you in the head. This because, again, this could have gone very, very differently. Uh, people just don't understand that, right? Fighters understand it. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we got to spin this thing forward. Probably more on Connor and, and Cerrone throughout the show, but uh, we need to get to the pronunciation of the week. We did not do it last week. All right, TJ, let's see if you can get off to a good start here. This woman will face Justine Kish at flyweight in Raleigh, North Carolina, this weekend. TJ, who am I talking about, kid? If I get this right, it'll be a bigger upset than Roxanne Modafferi. <laughs> well, well, uh, hang on. Did uh, did this woman fight an Invicta FC that I threw out here? Or no. Uh, you don't even know. Let no, me check my definitely fight. not. Okay, all right. Well, wh- how do you pronounce her name then? Uh, L- L- Lutsi Pudilova. D- well, let's let's hear uh, Lucia. It's pronounced, I believe. Starts. Lucia Pudilova. Lucia Pudilova. She has a very deep voice. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. that's why threw me for a loop. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's a guy talking. Yeah, so part of the... Yeah, you, you were afraid we had a screw-up. We don't want any screw-ups after losing the first seven minutes of the show last week. So, um, Two and a half. No, you, Come on now. <laughs> so it's interesting. Part of the reason I had the file played today is because oftentimes you'll have a coach or a manager say the fighter's name, uh, and that's what we have here. Uh, she is female, and it is Lucia Pudilova, so it's an 0-1 for DeSantis ah. here uh, in 2020. All right. We got to make some picks. Huge start to 2020 for Team Florian. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Oh, it feels good to be picking some fights after that three-week hiatus. UFC 246 is in the can, as they say. Eight to four for Team Florian out of the shoot. No such issues with a slow start here in the new decade. If you want to know about the dispersal, three points for Connor by first-round knockout. Also, the under a round and a half. Ken Flo convicted as ever. Uh, both got three points for Holly home by decision. So you get Holly, the decision, of course, three rounds, which you had accurately. Uh, otherwise, not a great week, but we spin it forward. It is UFC Fight Night. Blades versus Dos Santos. 
Five fights for us total. We will start in the strawweight division. Angela Hill minus 165. Hannah Cyphers plus 145. Angela Hill busy 2019. She fought four times. At least one of those on relatively short notice. She went two and two on the year. Here she draws the no-nonsense North Carolina native Hannah Cyphers. Ian Parker, nice to see you. Who do you have here, Hannah Cyphers or Angela Hill? Gentlemen, Kenny, congratulations on picking <laughs> the exact fucking results of the main event. I hate you. Uh, <laughs> I was really hoping you would get out of that first round, but uh, whatever. I don't want to rant on that. I'll take the loss like a man. Um, this is probably one of the only fights where I would actually bet on Angela Hill. I think in regards to the size differential here, Hannah is very small for this division. Uh, she's very tough. She comes forward, but I think that Angela Hill's takedown defense is good enough with her strength and athleticism to keep Hannah at bay. I think her striking is going to be way better, faster, way more power there. So without taking this and dragging this thing out, I like Angela Hill here. For the first time in a betting situation, as her as a favorite, I will probably bet on Angela Hill, and I like her in this fight. Cam Flo, Hannah Cyphers has won two straight overall, 10-3. and three. Pro losses all against good competition. Tough, hits hard, works hard. Works on a farm, actually, so farmers work hard. Uh, Kempfel, what do you think here? Main card fight, Angela Hill, Hannah Cyphers. Yeah, you could definitely see that Hannah is tough. Um, you've seen her take a lot of shots. She keeps coming forward. Um, yeah, I, you know, Ian, I, I do think she has the advantage on the ground. I, I don't see her getting there so often against Angela. Um, I see Angela really kind of getting on her bike, sticking and moving, stopping the takedown. Um, she's going to be faster on the feet. Hannah's just a little bit stiff, a little bit robotic with her with her striking uh, at this point in her game from what I've seen so far. Uh, so I like Angela Hill on that one by decision. All right, moving on to featherweight Arnold Allen, the prohibitive minus 275. Favorite against the father of two daughters, old reliable Nick Lentz, who comes back at plus 215. Now, I say old reliable in summer light. Is he old reliable? Nick Lentz has 14 UFC wins. I think Ken Flo has 12, if I'm not mistaken. By the way, Ken Flo's winning percentage pretty goddamn high with the 12 UFC wins, by the way. But 14 UFC wins for Nick Lentz. Only 34 fighters in UFC history have 15 wins or more. So this guy finds a way, buddy, and he's the dog here because Arnold Allen is 6-0 and in the UFC. What do you think, Ian? Arnold Allen, Nick Lentz here at 145 pounds. I absolutely love Arnold Allen as a prospect in general. I think he's the real deal. I think in that last fight against Gilbert Melendez, he showed that he's got all the tools to be a true threat in this division. I think this is such a smart fight for him to not just rush up the ladder. I love Arnold Allen here. I think Nick Lentz, old reliable, is a great name. He's tough. He will come ready to fight. But I think Arnold can handle the bull rush. I think he can handle the wrestling. And I think he's just going to pick him apart on the feet. I love Arnold Allen here. Kenny, Arnold Allen ranked, I checked this morning, number 15 in the world. Yes. He was actually going to face 10th-ranked Josh Emmett in this fight, or in this spot oh, on this card. So that would have been a great fight, obviously. Uh, and he's beaten some tough competition along this eight-fight winning streak. Uh, you like him here in, in Raleigh against the, uh, the UFC test in Nick Lentz or what? You know, I, I do. I think that Nick Lentz, uh, if he's able to get uh, in on those legs and take him down, I, I think he'll really... Um, you know, give a lot of trouble to Arnold Allen on the ground. Arnie not really known for his ground game. Um, and I think off of his back, Nick Lentz could win a lot of rounds. But uh, on the feet, Arnie just has such a big advantage. I think he's a lot quicker. He's got the, the knockout power. Um, Nick Lentz tends to struggle, I think, in the transition and the in-betweens. You know, utilize going from the striking into the takedowns. I think um, he, he might get caught there against someone like Allen. So uh, I like Arnold Allen there as well. Have you trained with Arnold Allen, Ken Flo? Uh, I have not. He does train at TriStar, um, okay. and uh, I hear a lot of good things about him. And, um, yeah, he missed out on, on a great opportunity there against Josh Emmett. That was a big fight. Yeah. And and he'll you got to think he's getting a ranked opponent to put that one back together at some I point. So. Yeah, I heard you yeah. call him Arnie Allen. Arnie. So yeah. Arnie, I kind of figured that there was uh, maybe yeah. you heard for us or some of those guys referring to him as such. Kinda yes, they, they do. They do. They call him Arnie. Yeah, yeah. see, I'm kind of thinking I should have named my son Arnold and I call fucking little Arnie. You know? <laughs> I wanted Double to name a. him Pedro. My wife did not like Pedro. But uh, we got to move on, guys. Got to move on. At Bantamweight. Alex Perez, minus 255. Jordan Espinosa, plus 205. So, Timo Yama's Alex Perez, 9-1 spanning his last 10. Espinosa, born in Connecticut, trains out of New Mexico. Contender Series guy, plus 205 underdog here. We will lead with the flow. 
Alex Perez, Jordan Espinosa. Who do you have? Um, yeah, you know, I, I like Alex Perez here. Um, I obviously, I haven't seen a whole lot from from either guys necessarily, but for Espinosa, uh, I just think it's a little bit too early to go against someone like Alex Perez. I, I think uh, Perez gets the win here. What do you think, Ian? Perez minus 255. Fairly pronounced here. Uh, I thought it would be a little bit closer, but I'm probably one of the few guys that's seen all of Espinosa's contender series. So, I, it's a, I mean, what do you think? Perez, the more known quantity, obviously. If you're the only other person, then I'm the only person that's seen Espinosa <laughs> betting on him in the contender series because that gave me something to do on Tuesday nights with my addiction. So, I agree here. Huh. Um, I actually kind of like Jordan Espinosa in this spot. I think, you know, his last fight against Schnell, remember, Schnell's no slouch. And obviously, to Kenny's point, Schnell has gotten better on the ground. And Espinosa was actually winning that fight until Schnell caught the sub, even though it really didn't take that long. Espinosa is a very good wrestler, which I think he has. I know Kenny probably doesn't love that play, but I think Perez getting a decision win over a guy like Mark Rosa, I was expecting him to really dominate and get finish in that fight. I think Espinosa with the odds here is a pretty fun play. I think he's a live only because I'm already down four points because Kenny was literally perfection on that main event. I'm going to roll the dice with Espinosa's wrestling and think that it's going to get put on his back. And if he does, he can grind out a decision here. I don't love Perez's takedown defense. Um, you know, and Joey, Joey Jiu-Jitsu showed that a little bit in their fight. So I'm going Espinosa as the underdog here. That may change because I need a little bit more time to watch both guys on tape. But from what I've seen, I think Espinosa is a live dog. And I like your analysis, what I heard of it with that fucking Wi-Fi. Co-main event. <laughs> Far more known quantities here. Former lightweight champ all around. Good egg. Rafael Dos Anjos, minus 260. The ultimate fighter lives Michael Chiesa. He will always be introduced as such here. Tough lives Michael Chiesa, plus 220. Outstanding co-main event. I'm excited to see it, Ian. What do you think here about Chiesa's chances as a plus 220 dog against uh, RDA? You know what? At first, I was really leaning RDA uh, because of the striking difference here. But after watching Kiesa's size difference and the way he was able to manhandle at 170, and if this becomes a grappling match, which I think it will, dirty against the cage, I think Kiesa's going to be the much larger guy. I think the height difference is going to make a huge difference in that clinch. I think I'm going to roll the dice here and take Maverick. I like, I like, I like him here. I just uh, There's something about that size. He just looked healthier. That weight cut didn't bother him. He seemed super confident. He knew what he was doing. It was no second guessing in that game plan. As much as I am a big RDA fan, I always have been. I think yes, he's going to give him some problems. So I'm going with yeah. the underdog also in this fight. Yeah, it's very interesting. Huge, huge spot for Kiesa. It is the co-main event, so I will get your uh, your method of victory in a round. You got Kiesa the dog in our scoring system. That would give you an extra uh, two points. How's he get it done? Gonna, sorry, um. Oh, man, I, he's not knocking out RDA. I don't think uh, he's ever knocked out anybody. So if he's going to do it, I think it's going to be a late round submission. I, I, I hate to say round four sub. I'm going to go round three sub. I'm hoping he's able to take the back of RDA and finish by rear naked choke. If he if he can look at his chops that you were going to go round four sub in a three round fight. You see that? Yeah, that would have been impressive. <laughs> that would have been awesome. That off. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, caught, I, caught, I, caught, I caught myself. That's like the video game where they uh, just one of those like, glitches and, and you got broken in the axle. Yeah, caught yourself. The caught yourself. Glitch going on in the game. Yeah, speaking of glitches. Yeah, speaking of glitches, yeah, glitches TJ, right here in every other goddamn word. Hey, Ken Flo, so some research yes. this morning. Dos Anjos tied for seventh on the UFC's all-time wins list. Wow. But he has lost three or four overall most recently to Leon Edwards. Only losses, though, since 2011 have all been two elite guys. So six losses for Dos Anjos since 2011. Five of them have been to fighters who have a UFC championship belt of some kind at home. So only really loses to the top, top guys. That's not what he's facing here. Kiesa could go on to become that. Yeah. Um, but these are the fights that Dos Anjos has made a career of winning. Kiesa going for three straight wins. Uh, Carlos Conda, Diego Sanchez, now he gets RDA. Who wins the co-main? How do they get it done? Well, thank you for setting that up because that's exactly why um, I'm picking RDA at this point. Michael Kiesa might be that guy, but as of right now... I just don't see him beating. Uh, I just don't see him uh, beating RDA. I, I think it's going to be difficult for him to uh, 
get those takedowns. I think that's where he could win this fight. I do think that uh, in a lot of ways, he'll be the better grappler uh, against someone like RDA. However, uh, RDA uh, isn't bad in that department either. I think his leg kicks um, matching up against uh, Kiesa, I think, will be the difference. If he's able to slow Kiesa down, I think it will only get worse for Mike. Uh, Michael really needs to get in the clinch, slow RDA down, grind him down, and then in that second and third, really kind of turn it on and try to hit some takedowns there. If he's able to do that, Kiesa could absolutely win this fight, um, and it would cool, be, be cool to see him do that. I just think RDA is going to, you know, with his experience, is going to be able to outstrike him, keep this fight on the feet, and really shine. Um, I'd like to say uh, a TKO, but uh, I'm going to play it safe. Oh, Ken Flo, with the, de- with the uh, decision yeah. win here. All right. Rafael Dos Anjos by decision, the pick for Ken Flo on the co-main event, which brings us to the headliner, Curtis Razor Blades. Has anyone made like a Blades of Steel t-shirt with this guy like grounding and pounding someone? Yet? <laughs> Love that have... video game. What a great reference. Love Curtis Blades, minus 245, Junior Dos Santos, plus 205. So Blades, obviously an interesting case. Most of our listeners know his only pro losses are by knockout to Francis Ngannou. So undefeated except for fights against that guy. Kind of needs Jarzinho Rosenstrike to beat Ngannou in Columbus to open up a championship path here in 2020. But if he gets past Junior Dos Santos, it's a huge feather in his cap. And I think he'll probably realize a title shot next year, this year, I should say, if he wins. Uh, Ian, what do you think? I mean, he's really starting to brutalize guys on the ground. JDS's takedown defense has obviously held up in the past, but has been tested by a lot of wrestlers. What do you think about the main event here in Raleigh? And uh, give us a prediction. First and foremost, I want to apologize for the Wi-Fi. I don't know why it's giving you guys issues, but I do apologize. Uh, I don't want to obviously uh, be that guy, but I I am sorry for that. Uh, I think this is Curtis Blade's opportunity to really, like, this is the matchup he needs. I I don't see, man, this is kind of like a lesser version of Ngannou at this point. I think JDS is kind of on the end of his career. I think Blade's striking has come leaps and bounds. Is my audio better, by the way, right now or no? Yep. Okay, sorry. Leaps and bounds from where he was. I think if he, he's got to utilize, utilize his wrestling game, though. He cannot get cocky and confident that, he, you know, with, bang, with Bang's uh, blueprint that he's able to really outstrike because JDS can turn that around with one power strike. So I do like Curtis Blades here. I think he's going to wrestle him to death. All right. I think it's going to be, I hate to say, a five round decision here for the heavyweight. So I think he finishes JDS on the ground by ground and pound in the third round. I think that is the only way. He, he really gets this done. I, I don't want to see him try and jab his way to victory here. He's got to use what got him to where he was, understand his identity, and use the striking just to set up those takedowns. So I'm going Curtis Blaze, third round TKO. Ken Flo Jr. Dos Santos had to pull out of a fight late in 2019. His last fight, Francis Ngannou on, on the wrong end of that in the main event in June in Minneapolis. Then he was on Dancing with the Stars Brazil. And I'm interested to hear the media ask him about it this week. And I can assuredly tell you, without hearing what he has to say, that he's going to say it was hugely beneficial for uh, muscles that he's not working otherwise and everything else. Um, I'm curious to see him back here against a really tough stylistic challenge in Curtis Blades. What do you think about the uh, main event matchup and who gets it done? Uh, this is a really tough one for, for me to pick. Um, you know, I feel like Junior DeSantos will actually change as a fighter even within the actual fight you'll see you know flashes of brilliance and then you'll see him really kind of shut down with his offense a lot of times um he's not an easy guy to take down though i think curtis blades does have a good wrestling background i think he's uh he could be dangerous with his own striking as well does have some power um, but I think he's going to struggle, especially early on uh, with his takedowns, I believe. I think he could start to hit those takedowns a little bit later in the fight, perhaps, as he slows down Junior DeSantos and keeps him guessing a little bit. But um, I like Junior DeSantos here. I, I actually think he's wow. going to be able to stop a lot of those takedowns. I don't think it's going to be a pretty fight, but I think DeSantos will outpoint him enough uh, to win rounds and win by decision. JDS by decision for Ken Flo. 13th UFC main event uh, for the former champion, Sagano. I absolutely love that. Ken Flo, do you have an impression of Junior Dos Santos? Maybe next week, if he wins, you can I, give us one. I, 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 tried I need to, to watch some video and really okay. kind of analyze yeah. a little bit better. Next week, next week. Yeah. I'll tell I'll give you a hint. I tried to get one good enough for air today and couldn't do it, so I'm going <laughs> to leave you with that. But you have to be smiling when you're delivering the lines, Absolutely. I think, because that, that's a good way to capture it. All right, Ian Parker uh, on social media at Parker Cage Hero. Thank you, buddy. We will, uh, we will talk to you next week. 
Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. Kenny, I'm making the comeback this week. Don't get comfortable. There we go, baby. See you. All right, UFC Fight Night. Blades v. Dos Santos, wall-to-wall on ESPN Plus coming up uh, this weekend. All right, before we go, uh, Ken Flo, I know you are off to the United Kingdom. Yes. Ian, you can hang up your phone. TJ, can we uh, get rid of this guy? See ya. Bye. Thanks, bud. Love you. Hold on. I thought TJ wanted to kick me off. I was giving him the opportunity. Peace. Love you guys. See ya, buddy. What a creep just hanging out in the corner like that. Seriously. Are they going to bring me back on and ask me about Connor? Nope, not today. Not today, because we got to talk about Ken Flo's seminar in the United Kingdom. So Ken Flo's, in all likelihood, not going to be with us next Monday here on the Anakin Florian podcast, because uh, he's going to be in the UK doing a jiu-jitsu seminar. He may join us by phone. So I know you're going to be across the UK. I know if people want more details, they can go to your Instagram or your social media, at Kenny Florian. I know yes. some of these cities, it is standing room only at this point. <laughs> that's the but, hope. That's uh, there the are hope. still spots available, as I understand it, in some of these spots if they want to uh, train and, and meet you and all of that stuff beginning next Monday, January 27th. That, that's right. Um, I, I am, I'm, go- I'm actually heading to the UK on, on Saturday. I'm excited to be there. Got a bunch of seminars lined up and uh, can't wait to train with you guys and uh, have a good time. How about that? Yeah. Antlo's UK tour begins one week from now. We got to get on out of here. I don't know if you have any final thoughts. I did want to ask you before we go about Alexei Olenek and Maury Scream because I know you saw that fight. And even just hearing the word scarf hold sounds uncomfortable to me. Definitely want to laud the toughness of the crochet boss Maury Screen. But how about Alexei Olenek, right? Getting it done at this stage of his career. Had the Quintet Ultra grappling appearance against the King Gordon mm-hmm. Ryan this summer. Those two, I think, have aligned. It was hard for me to hear in my call with Olenek. A few things got lost in translation, but I believe they're going to train together in the future. And uh, I don't know, man. Jiu-Jitsu is just so fascinating for me. My favorite way to see a fight end is by submission. And uh, this dude, Olenek, and the squeeze, there were just so many angles to this. I want to give you 60 seconds on that. You know, this is such a testament and, and such a win for grappling in general. I mean, how many 46-year-old uh, veterans with well over 50 fights could do that as a striker in the UFC. It's a difficult thing to do as a striker, you know, seeing all those miles. But as a grappler, you could still be very dangerous, even, um, you know, at, at his age and the amount of fights that he's had. It was really cool to see Olenek go out there and get the win. You know, he's not the fastest guy out there, but man, he makes it work. He's extremely effective. He's good at finishing fights. Olenek's the man, dude. I mean, and what else can you say? And just withstanding whatever striking storm he needs to and yes. understanding that, you know, got to get those breaths in, right? I mean, just <laughs> incredible. Uh, yeah. And you say, you know, 50-plus pro fights. How about 46 submission wins <laughs> and insane, 72 dude. pro MMA fights? Slightly off, yeah. Not to speak of all the, the combat sambo and everything else. Crazy. So, uh, Crazy. The boa constrictor. Oh, and he's got five kids, by the way, if that's Man. not enough. So if you're any kind of father and you have five kids, your life is a lot of fun. That's a warrior. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fucking <laughs> warrior. Exactly. All right. We got to get out of here. Thank you to our producer, TJ DeSantis. Good to have him back in studio this week. Mike Heck, our guy on the video side. Uh, plenty coming up on Instagram at Anna Florian Pod this week. Uh, you can watch the show on YouTube, of course. Listen anywhere podcasts are ingested. Uh, and we are right back with you next week. Kenfo won't be with us, but we will be back to look at what Curtis Blades or Junior Dos Santos was able to do in that main event. Michael Chiesa, Rafael Dos Santos. Thank you all for listening. Kenfo, safe travels, my man. With that Thank for the flow. Long go the duck john anderson so long for now we'll see you next week enjoy the action on the spn plus yo fucking later sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus and wagering week is your antidote i'm tom martin and i'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build espn's brand i've been recognized and awarded by pro football weekly and gaming today magazine as the honest handicapper let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines we'll give it to you straight here every friday on wagering week don't gamble with other podcasts let sports garden network's wagering week help your bottom line Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. 
Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.